The Call of Abraham. This is from Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 4. The Lord has said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people and your father's household, to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham went as the Lord has told him. This is the word of the Lord. you, David and Linda. Let's pray. <clears throat> Loving Father, thank you um, for your word. Thank you that you have been at work throughout history. And we pray that uh, you would be at work in us as we um, come to your word today, that you'd speak to us by your Holy Spirit. You'd open up our hearts to uh, be a blessing to those around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So um, welcome to Advent. Uh, traditionally, as we said, a time of preparation and waiting. Uh, preparation uh, to remember Jesus' coming to earth as a baby and waiting for his promised return in glory. Uh, strangely, it also marks the start of the church calendar, um, or the start of the year in the church calendar, so Happy New Year, all souls. Um, and our theme for Advent, uh, which you'll have probably seen on our Christmas publicity, is the Great Invitation. <clears throat> With Jesus says, always an invitation. He's not just a historical figure or event. His coming poses a direct invitation that we all have to respond to one way or another. So we're going to spend the coming weeks looking at what the invitation of Jesus in Advent looks like. And this morning, the first Sunday when we light our first candle, we remember Abraham and Sarah and the patriarchs of Israel whose story mark the beginning of the road to Jesus' birth. The next week we'll turn to the prophets uh, at our Christingle service. Then it's uh, John the Baptist, finally Matt and Sue will be looking at Mary uh, the Sunday before Christmas. So those are the four Sundays of Advent. And we start with Abraham, uh, really these verses which form the pivot point of the Bible. Someone once said, if you divide scripture into two halves, the first half would be Genesis 1 to 11. And the second half would be everything after that. Uh, forget the Old and New Testament. Genesis 12 is the hinge of the Bible. So let's take a look. The first 11 chapters of Genesis, they're fascinating in a whole bunch of ways. Um, and beyond the questions around scientific truth and cultural context and creation narratives, the key thing to grasp in these chapters, however you understand them, is that they paint a picture of a good world gone bad. From the beautiful poetic opening of chapter one and the image of God and humanity together in this uh, idyllic creation in chapter two, things have turned ugly. And we see the emergence of evil, rebellion, deception, division, jealousy, murder, sexual assault, power plays, corruption, exploitation, every problematic human tendency and behavior that we recognize today. 
And as Richard said last week, the Bible says that the heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. And in Genesis 1 to 11, the diagnosis is that the issues in our hearts stem from the brokenness of the relationship between people and God. By the end of Genesis 11, the world is in a really bad place. And human efforts alone don't seem enough to solve the problem. There really is very little hope. And things just don't seem to be getting any better. And that's exactly how it can seem today, isn't it? Sometimes it feels like the world has gone very wrong. And we can't seem to put it right this year has been pretty bad, hasn't it? Um, you know, war in Europe, political turmoil, cost of living crisis, climate issues. It's not been great, has it? But in truth, last year wasn't a whole lot better, or the year before that. Somebody joked the other day that even the light at the end of the tunnel has now been switched off due to budget cuts. There are global problems which create national problems which play out in local problems, all of which puts pressure on workplaces and families and homes and individuals, leaving no one at their best and reducing our capacity to love and bless others. Collective traumas like those that we've experienced over the last few years breed a mindset of anxiety and scarcity and judgmentalism and hopelessness sense of competition is sharpened you winning means i'm probably losing and vice versa our reality strongly resembles the picture in genesis 1 to 11. people becoming a curse to one another nations to nations so what's the solution and what's the invitation of god to us in a dark and groaning world well the answer to that is found in genesis chapter 12. Let's take a look. So um, Genesis 12, verse 1. Sorry, I was quite lazy with my slides this week, you'll notice, but I've got Star Wars reference in anyway. Um, Genesis 12, verse 1, we meet Abraham, soon to be Abraham. And God tells Abraham and his wife Sarai to leave their country, all that they know, and set off for an as yet undefined uh, destination. The first step on the road to salvation is God choosing a, a nobody and asking him to leave it all behind and trust him. Why does God choose Abraham? We don't know. He just does. Christians sometimes think of the Old Testament as being all about the law and legalism, and the New Testament all about grace. But God's choice of Abraham and Sarah is an act of grace. They've done nothing to deserve God's particular blessing that we know of. He tells Abraham to go. And when I first started thinking about this teaching, I thought it would probably be called an invitation to go or an invitation to trust. And both of those would have worked. But that would have have been to stop short of the reason that God calls them to go and why he needs them to trust him. The purpose of the call says Walter Brueggemann, is to fashion an alternative community in creation gone awry, to embody in human history the power of blessing. It's the hope of God that in this new family, 
all human history can be brought to unity and harmony intended by the one who calls. Abraham and Sarah are called to be the bearers of a blessing. And the blessing looks like this. First, they will become a great nation. Second, they will have a great name. And then those who bless them will be blessed. Those who curse them will be cursed. That's pretty handy, isn't it? And perhaps most remarkably, God promises that through them, through these two kind of relative nobodies, through them, all peoples on earth will be blessed. Just let that sink in for a moment. All peoples. That's an incredible promise. We have to ask ourselves, honestly, how is this going to work? This is not the globally connected world of today. It's the Bronze Age. Abraham and Sarah can't speak to people a couple of miles away, let alone to all peoples on earth. And the answer, of course, if you follow the story through the Bible, the way Abraham and Sarah become a blessing to the whole world is through their offspring. Which is why we remember the patriarchs and why in um, Matthew and Luke's Gospels we have these genealogies tracing their descendants all the way down to another very ordinary guy called Joseph and his teenage fiancée, Mary. All through the Old Testament, we're waiting for the moment where Abraham and Sarah's line will become a blessing to all peoples. And the answer arrives, is born, bursts onto the scene in Jesus. Changing everything. Nothing will be the same again. God's blessing is now for everyone Through Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, bringing salvation and hope and light and life and love in a world of darkness and death and disconnection. So the invitation to Abraham and Sarah is not simply to go or to trust, it's to bless. And I wonder what you understand by the word blessing, what it means to bless someone or to be blessed. Um, you know, a blessing can be something we say at the start of a meal or we receive at the end of a service. It's something we ask God to do for those we love. Um, or it's something we do to God in our songs, like, bless the Lord, O my soul, we sang earlier. But what does it actually mean to bless? I'm going to turn to that most central pillar of UK Christmas tradition, the John Lewis Christmas advert. Um, other department stores are available, I should say, and indeed more easily accessible from St. Margaret's. Um, but put your hand up if you have seen this advert. Okay, um, so you know how it ends, so no spoilers, please. Um, let's watch, and I'm hoping that uh, Facebook is, doesn't kill our video feed for copyright infringement. Sorry if it does. Let's... Uh...
So uh, we'll come back to thank you, Jack. That's brilliant. So, um, uh, wipe your tears away. Um, <laughs> in the advert, we see um, a man attempting to skateboard amidst the preparations of Christmas, um, and we see him falling and failing a lot. Uh, but we don't know why this determination to master skateboarding until the doorbell rings and standing on the threshold is a lady from the local children's services, we assume, um, with a teenage girl clutching a skateboard. Uh, the girl is being placed into care and the big reveal is that all the skateboarding and the hard knocks have been an attempt by the foster dad to step into the world of his new charge and find some common ground, an act of love and no little self-sacrifice. Now we could get into analysis and ask some questions about this advert, principally would any self-respecting skater buy their skateboard from John Lewis, um, but leaving that aside, <laughs> I think uh, this, advert tells us, this advert tells us something about the nature of blessing. So blessing in the Bible is about three things. And the first is noticing. Blessing starts with seeing someone for who they are. That's where it started with God and Abraham. Uh, God noticed him in that moment and he saw what he would become. When I was uh, employed at a youth work charity in Luton, I worked with quite a few children who were in the care system. And what we learned talking to them is that often they felt unseen or unacknowledged. We arranged uh, an art installation in the town centre made up of works of some of these kids created to convey something of their story. The exhibition was called See Me. Blessing starts by seeing someone, like the dad in the advert who saw and recognized who this girl coming to them was, to know and acknowledge her so that when she arrived, she felt seen. I wonder who God is calling you to see this week. You know, at the best of times, it's hard to interrupt our focus um, in the run-up to Christmas, that's a whole another thing. It is for me, anyway. The irony is that in this season, I am more prone to tunnel vision than at any other time of the year. That applies to strangers, parishioners, and family. It's very easy for my kids to not feel seen in the busyness at this time of year. Not to mention my friends or family, even my wife. Um, you know, everyone will understand I'm a vicar. This is Christmas. But we're, we're called to bless all year round and blessing starts with noticing the second aspect of blessing is to speak well of someone to compliment them to build them up with our words God said to Abraham your name's going to be great you're going to be a great nation to speak well of someone is to show delight in them I don't know if you caught it but after the girl, um, Ellie, walks into the house in that advert, she comments on the dad's battered board, and his response is to say, yours is great. He speaks well of how she has chosen to decorate her board. He delights in her creativity. We have power to transform people's realities with our words, even simply by speaking God's truth over them. 
We can point out their gifts, their abilities, things we appreciate about their character. Taking a moment to compliment someone or thank someone can change the course of their day. We know that, don't we? The impact that that can have on our spirit, just a simple encouragement at maybe that low point in the middle of the afternoon, the difference it can make to us. So the first two aspects of blessing are to notice uh, someone and to speak well of them. And if we stop there, what we've got is affirmation. Um, Affirmation is good. Affirmation is important. If you've done the love languages thing, words of affirmation are some people's primary love language. We all, to a greater or lesser extent, need um, to be told good things about ourselves. We need to be delighted in. But to move from affirmation to blessing, there's a third step. And that is to sacrifice for them. To give something to that person at cost to ourselves. God's blessing to us through Abraham comes through Jesus' sacrifice for us, for our salvation. The image of a God of self-giving love. Now the decision of that dad to try skateboarding comes, as it does for anyone who has ever got on a board, with a sacrifice of repeated and often very painful mishaps. To sacrifice for someone is to give something of our life away for them. And I've lost the last page of my notes, which is slightly worrying. I've got a spare copy somewhere else. (laughs) Ta-da! It's okay. That means you've got about one minute 45 to go. Don't worry. Hang in there. Um, So, sacrificing of ourselves. Um, It may not involve physical pain, as with skateboarding, but it may involve time. Time that we weren't expecting to give or money, or attention, or forgiveness, or laying down our agenda. Each of those things is costly, but they place a value on the person for whom we sacrifice. And to be valued like that by someone's act of self-sacrifice is to be blessed by them. And just to come back to Abraham a moment as we come into land, you know, throughout the Bible, Abraham is credited as trusting God. Romans 4 talks about Abraham believing God and God crediting that to him as righteousness. And the Greek word is the same. To believe is to trust. People question the human capability to act with genuine altruism, to be truly selfless. And the Christian answer to that is, First, that we worship a truly self-giving God who gave it all in Jesus. But also to trust that by going without whatever it is that we are sacrificing, that God has got us. We can trust him. That's what makes it possible and safe for us to act with generosity and selflessness and sacrificial love. So the vision that we've been uh, spelling out this year I'm a clicker's frozen. No worries. Nothing important. Um, The vision that we've been spelling out this year is for us to be disciples of Jesus, seeking to live like him, 
And part one of the invitation of Advent, this great invitation, if you like, is an invitation to bless. By seeing people, by speaking well of them, and by sacrificing for them. So let's invite the Holy Spirit to come and help us do that in this Advent season. Why don't we stand?